It looks like it's coming out of his brain. It's not. I know that. I know it's not. I know it's pretend. I know we're acting. Captain's Pod Stardate 6121.62.1. Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief short leave from the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I am your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me as always, she's just back from SETI Alpha 5 with the latest earworm, it's Ambassador Danae. And I want to share my earworms with you! Oh, that's If Khan just started, like, humming that that would be very meta very weird but it would be kind of cool i kind of dig it why because, would khan do that because seti alpha 5 is where khan was um marooned and Chekhov goes down to the planet with some other person and these little ear like things go into their brain and like mind control them and turn them into zombies so yes your earworms are literal earworms they're and not the musical earworm. Ah, that's what I did with the joke because you it's did. Just the earworm, but it is an you actual earworm. You sent me to Khan's planet in your I, intro. Are I, you? I didn't. I'm just said you're back. You volunteered. Feel like maybe you work out your angst through where what you have done to the ambassador each week. Like, like if you and I have a problem, mm-hmm. we should probably talk about it before <laughs> the show <laughs> and not play it out in Star Trek metaphors. Yeah, you've been banished to the wrong planet. It's really dark because they leave him on a really nice planet with his people and with his soon-to-be wife. And it's like, look, just make a life for yourself here. But then some shit happens and the planet gets knocked out of orbit and it gets turned into like a barren wasteland. And then he blames Kirk for that, which is what kicks off the movie. And, uh, and, uh-huh. and yeah, that that's where this city Alpha 5 comes from because... because it's like it's in the wrong orbit. So when Chekhov lands on the planet, he's like, oh, this is Seti Alpha 6. And Connor's like, no, this is Seti Alpha 5. Yeah. Which is some bullshit. I can't believe that planet took the exact same spot of the other planet. In order for that mix-up to happen. Anyway, Descent Part 2 is what we're watching this week. Not The Wrath of Khan. We promised one day to watch The Wrath of Khan. Didn't they? Do we? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah, for no, real. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Wait, do you not want to? <laughs> I think we should do the movies from number one, ignoring the motion okay. picture. So starting at the Wrath of Khan onwards. Okay, okay, okay. So do you think Chris would do Wrath of Khan with us? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's his favorite. Yeah. Okay. He, well, he we absolutely should, we should definitely do that then, because yeah. I love. Uh, if we're gonna do a movie, we should definitely try to pull in Chris or Jeremy again. Yeah, for That'd sure. Mm-hmm. And we should do. Um, if we do Nemesis, we should bring in Jonathan because he. In fact, all of the TNG films we should do with Jonathan because he hates TNG. I don't know why he doesn't like fun, um, but he just he just doesn't. It's really sad. Can you tell that my voice is super deep today? It sounds a little bit deeper. Yeah, I, I guess I should reason? tell you that I I overslept and this is the first time I've spoken all day long. <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like when you get sick and it's like really low, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it, or gravelly, and you have. Like, I feel like I have that super cool, sexy movie voice whenever I have that gravelly morning thing that I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm i in that register now. And so if mm-hmm. I really pushed it, I could kind of go down a little Oh, lower. yeah. That's the radio voice <laughs> that you want. And it also explains, like, the squirrels that are, like, nesting in your hair and the birds that are currently, like, cleaning up listen, everything around the house listen, for you. Listen, first mm-hmm. of all, thank you for exposing my unbrushed hair <laughs> to the <laughs> podcast audience. It's Second, like the squirrels are adorable. The, the live audience hopefully won't see this insane <laughs> hair, 
because while I watch the show, I'm no, you should leave on it. brushing my hair. No, leave it. Leave you think it. I should we're, just yeah. leave this abomination on my head? We're already okay. live, fine. so it's it's fine. We're not live! <laughs> the look of panic on your face. That's amazing. Anyway, besides that, how excited are you for Descent Part 2? Oh, is that what we're doing today? <laughs> <laughs> your predictions from last week. Is this the death of law? I think so. Is the TV show Picard trying to call back to a decision that he made with Hugh in part two? So does that this could, yeah, yeah. Does this link to the reclamation project? Does he set Hugh on a path? I haven't seen Hugh yet, so this is like a rogue group. Maybe mm. Hugh will come into this and be like, This isn't what we're about. We're we're better Borg. Better Borg, the, the the best buy, better Borg. That's if if Borg is, the Borg assimilated a best buy. Like yeah, best Borg, better Borg. Um, is this the start of the reclamation project? So that we see in Picard season one. I don't think this is the start of it, but I feel like we're watching a group that is somehow part of the reclamation mm. project. Interesting, cool. And if not, then we're watching some that are going to be annihilated because they're the wrong kind of rogue group, and so they're going to just. <laughs> Nip this in the butt. Yeah, and just be done in the with bud. Them. In the bud? Well, it's in the butt, but... It's so, in no, the bud. It's bud. It's, it's in the it's bud. It's nip in the bud because it's it supposed flowering. to be plant-related. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I always um, say butt. Yeah. Oops. Because you're a butt. Uh, maybe Deanna can help with the Borg stepping away from law and do like some Betazoid mind tricks. That was your last prediction. Well, why else would you send Deanna Troy down to the planet? Because you can't cut her out of every episode. Rude. <laughs> as much as they try. Rude. I do, I do think mm-hmm. like this episode's going to be also potentially Data getting his emotion chip. Mm, interesting. Because if they take out Lore, then maybe they can take the, da- the the chip that was meant for him out of Lore and give it to Data. Because this is the start of season seven, so there's only there's only one season left. If you're going to do something wonky and crazy, then you do it now. Speaking of wonky and crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch our VOD of this very episode uh, on Twitch two weeks for, for two weeks, and you can see my fucking batch of crazy hair. Um, not this part you can't. From ten forward onwards, oh. you can. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this video won't exist after right now. <laughs> it's already I gone. I know. I was just talking about the future one when we go live. Oh, if you I'm don't leave this in my, you're going to leave it. Okay, cool. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. I'm just then, yeah, absolutely. Go over to Twitch and watch that. You can also watch the Derpa Prize. Um, with its Clip. debut, yes. its debut, it gets its own opening sequence, kind of. <laughs> it wasn't its debut. That was the second time we've done it. We and don't I have, have a feeling video, that it's gonna have. I have a feeling it's gonna happen again. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. Yeah. I have a feeling it's gonna happen as as much as we possibly can make. Oh, it. the poor Dapper Prize. Okay, with that, before I abandon ship, it's two to the holodeck to watch Descent Part Two. We will see you in ten forward. Welcome to Turn Forward, the part of the show where we grab a drink or something from the replicator and share our immediate thoughts and feelings on the episode we just watched together. Most important question first, what would you like from the replicator that is not Uh, necessarily a beverage, but also can be? Right. Well, I'm just going to go for the emotion chip. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I'd like to replicate the emotion chip out of the replicator. No. What? This is my first time to not talk Uh about something to drink. Uh-huh. And the very first time I do the new rules, you say I can't? Yeah, no, you're not allowed emotions. <laughs> you've, you've made it a number amount of years without emotions. What, what makes you think you need them now? 
I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to use it. I just want it. <laughs> you just want it so that no one else can have it? Or, you know, the potential of emotions is there one day. If you right. really need to unleash on someone. That's right. I want to I wanna display it on the mantle. Yeah. You know, in all of its little chip glory. Amazing. Well, lots I, of chips in this episode, actually. Lots of chips. Lots and lots of chips. Mm-hmm. All I would like is a, like, prosthetic, removable fingernail. Just so that I can trigger Danae into using her emotion chip at some time. I, I forgot that we needed the... The uh, law or data removes their fingernail trigger warning. Today in this episode. Ugh. Ugh. Vomit. Ugh. Okay, this week um, we are covering Star Trek TNG Season 7, Episode 1, Descent Part 2. Um, last week we left on a cliffhanger of Law has kidnapped Data and they have joined together and are raising an army of Borg. Does it have anything to do with Hugh? Who knows? Um, Who knows? Who <laughs> knows? Uh, this week we find out it has everything to do with Hugh. Um, as Hugh has, uh, upon rejoining his ship, once um, the Enterprise had healed him up. Um, <laughs> do you want me to take a stab at it, Captain? No, because I won't have the... Yeah, okay, go for it. Yeah, I do actually it. don't have anything written down for this. <clears throat> okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. What happened this week? In this episode, Lauren Data have a emotional sibling tiff Jordy almost dies and so does picard and so does data and so does Worf, and so does everybody in the fucking sun will beverly crusher save the day as captain yeah sort of but nobody talks about it but we're not getting to the sins first back to you captain <laughs> yes how was that that was that pretty was, good that was amazing forgive yeah. me if i have another stab at it um, we discover very quickly that Hugh, upon being reunited with his Borg ship, all sorts of shenanigans happened. And when faced with the concept of individuality, they went absolutely batshit and left them vulnerable to a hostile takeover from Law, who wishes to turn them into a master race of cybernetic organisms and destroy the Federation. Um, upon kidnapping Picard, LaForge, and... Uh, Deanna experimentation happens to see if Geordi's, um interface with his visor can help them bridge the gap. Will Data kill his friend? Will Beverly save the Enterprise by flying it into a sun? We shall find out. That went very similar to your summary, and I didn't mean it to. <laughs> well, <laughs> it just is a testament to my brilliance. <laughs> well, quite. And upon that brilliance, what are your thoughts and feelings about this episode and conclusion to the two parts well i think um i think i predicted a lot about this one what did you think yeah no you predicted most of it i mean law doesn't exactly die but it's fairly conclusive that he's been deactivated and is going to be disassembled i mean took a took a shot uh, yeah yeah i I don't understand why we're not just eviscerating this thing and we're doing the same thing that happened the first time that didn't go well because he was recreated so I guess I guess we're just leaving that open for potentially more lore in the future. And I predicted that this was the end of lore. So maybe he does come back at some yeah. point because they didn't destroy his pieces like they should have. That's what you got to do. Just store him in different parts, in different planets. Um, I get why Data doesn't want to vaporize him. Like, you don't just vaporize like a prisoner. And he is a prisoner. I guess if you just... They don't have the death penalty, so you can't just put yeah. law to okay. death. So I okay. think they have to do something. Although we don't just leave people in, in deliberate comas either, which is basically what you what they're doing. Yeah, they yeah they did. <laughs> yeah, 
they have removed his ability to defend himself in court. So yeah, yeah, exactly. They've just pickled him completely. Can you imagine, man? I want to see law go on. Law go on trial. Yeah, it's kind of weird that that didn't happen. Actually, I've never thought about that. He is an individual. He is a person. It is strange that they just take him apart and leave him. I mean, I get it, but well, it is that <laughs> it is that thing where it's like, well, okay, but are androids like people? Like, well, I mean, they are. Are they, they are. are they living creatures that mm-hmm. you need to respect with this universal law of like respect for living things? Or is he an android that doesn't have the right to defend himself? Because this episode would indicate yeah. that the society thinks that they have the right to just, you know, no, you're turn, right. turn, turn, him, turn him off and disassemble him. I mean, a super early episode proves that they, they can't do that. Data does go on trial and it's proved that he is a person. He can determine his own future. And unless he's got a twin brother and then Law can't do that. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing I didn't think about. Um, But, yeah, so you did predict a good chunk of the episode. I am not surprised. This is an era of Star Trek that's fairly paint by numbers, which is one of the great reasons that we find it so comfortable and and kind of satisfying. But um, other than the the predictions, what did you, how did it hit you? Um, I liked it. I liked it for a lot of reasons. Um, I thought that it was a, a fun two-parter where there was a lot of interesting things happening. As, and I kind of have to put myself back into the mindset of like the joy of watching this show when I was a kid, mm. you know, like at the TV. And I just loved, loved, loved Star Trek. Yeah. And there's, I, I see a lot of like modern shows and this is obviously missing some of the modern touches of storytelling or even just the really, truly, I guess, just storytelling is probably the most obvious. Of course, costuming and sets and stuff are sometimes almost the exact same even now because it's mm-hmm. expensive to create content. But yeah. um, I thought that the storytelling was good because they're doing something with Hugh, as I predicted. I know he would be here and he was and they're reintroducing their uh attempt to restart their lives and they're kind of showing more about the plight of the Borg that have kind of come off of the main collective. Um, And then they did something really fun. They put Beverly in the captain's chair and that's my favorite part of this episode and also my greatest sin of this episode. So we'll get to that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's great. It's going to be so tricky to talk about it without sinning it, but it's exactly the same. I love it and it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. I also, uh, it it was because they had more time here. They really like split the crew up into all these different sets. So we have some mm. that are imprisoned and we have some that are walking around on the planet and trying to find their way into this prison. And we have some that are still on the ship. And there was a lot of tension. There's a lot of getting to see different dynamics between different people. This was a, a huge cast. When you look at the cast that was involved in both of these episodes, mm. uh, the Borg and all of the Enterprise crew, like the set must have been pretty busy as they created, you know, yeah. this season end and season beginning. Um, and I really like what they're doing with Data as well, that they were able to figure out, I mean, massive leaps in technology understanding and opening up little devices and pushing things around and like the knowledge that the people have in the future to do some of the things that they do to just do like an emotion swipe you know like Mm. our bluetooth barely works through walls ian's internet is (laughs) shit upstairs and captain picard can like swipe something off of a board push a button and then data is suddenly feeling his specifically you know his his what was it uh the 
moral compass or whatever his uh-huh, his, his ethical ethics. program yeah yeah the caddy so, on I pulse mean, there's stuff like that that i'm just like okie dokie okay. we're just <laughs> gonna this, techno blah blah that stuff but this is the sci-fi future and of course they're not gonna let data kill picard or kill geordi mm. and um i think they got to play with the character of data a little bit showing how he could be manipulated and that i i thought i thought it was fun it's serious this is a more serious episode you know mm. it's not like a there wasn't like a big laugh for me or kind of a oh, moment you where like data doing his picard impression no that was terrifying that was hideous. <laughs> it's so bad it's so, that was mean. so fucking scary uh-huh. um i mean i did have a i did have a couple of moments that i really really enjoyed like mm-hmm. the backup crew so like um mm. i don't remember their names tate i think is yeah, her name tate and barnaby yeah i really enjoyed the tate and barnaby tate was great bit. the work uh. that they get to do in like just just a few scenes 15 minutes if probably less than that 10 minutes of screen time together beverly has like a great relationship with tate taking her under her wing barnaby is like full of himself like he's like junior grade but still higher than tate and it's it's really really nice to see the underdog it was interesting to see it's like lower decks being on the bridge of the enterprise that's exactly what i was saying is the opportunity to bring in fresh people who still are very well knowledged and can fill that role and still kind of like make magic happen and have mm-hmm. the tension of going and the ideas that they come up with, the solutions, all that stuff. That was really that was really fun. But I liked Tate's character. This yeah. This new person who six weeks ago jumped into this and now is having to do some like major shit on the bridge of the starship mm-hmm. the flagship thought, of the of starfleet the most important ship in the fleet and i thought it was acted really well like mm-hmm. at one moment she said 90 seconds no 70 and she just I was so it. hard on herself you know i felt yeah. that <laughs> uh-huh it's so good because like, oh someone made a mistake they got an estimate wrong it's so good yeah so i thought that they played around with the dynamic of the people that would be existing on the crew, which mm. gives sometimes it's really insular. Like it, there's, it's just the same people, obviously, and that's who we want to see. Yeah. So when they do introduce other crew members, it's interesting to watch how the writers uh, justify that decision mm-hmm. to bring in yeah. new people. And this was an opportunity to do that, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I, totally I think overall, agree. I liked it. What about I you? Like, so you've watched this how many times? <laughs> oh, millions of times. I can't see it objectively. Um, I really like this episode. I like it as a two-parter, mainly because it's one of the very, very few times that Picard has to deal with a consequence um, <laughs> of like his actions. Like at the end of um, I Borg, they make the decision to leave Hugh with his people. They wipe his memory, but Beverly says, "I can't be certain that I've wiped his memory entirely." And Picard is like, "Well." hopefully he will transmit some of the individuality and hopefully that will help. Like, there's a lot of hopefullys there. And here's mm-hmm. the consequence. It actually wrecked this Borg community. The Borg severed them and said, fuck that, we ain't dealing with them. Um, And they were left to fend for themselves and they murdered each other. They turned themselves off. They starved. And then when a society is at its lowest and people are panicked, one confident person with a direction comes in and it doesn't even matter what that direction is as long as they have a big voice and confidence some people will follow them and even the best of people will follow them because they're providing some certainty some safety and some security and they don't even ask okay so what's the end goal here what's going to happen and it's such a once again star trek holding up a brilliant mirror to 
society and what can happen in the real world when you have these very charismatic people prey on people that are at their very, very lowest. Yeah. I love it. I love it for doing that. And then it was also brave because at the end, there's this sort of moment when I wondered if Picard was going to step in and really give some more framework for their society. But instead, they step back out and trust that they're going to figure it out. But Uh it's a little bit scary in a way because they're on this planet now. Their ship has been destroyed. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that they have a plan really. Let's just hope it was only the bad Borg that were on that ship. It was their people that were still kind of had been taken off. So they have no way apparently until they create it to get off of this space. So thankfully they can breathe the atmosphere Um, (laughs) and they can build up a new society here on this planet and start over again, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And could Starfleet give them some framework, some food, some something? This is the beautiful thing about Lower Decks is that I think the second contact team then follow up and will probably come in. But we, like spoilers, we don't know what happens between now and when we see Hugh in Picard season one. So there is, I'm sure there's comics and books and whatnot, but... That was one of my questions. So mm, we don't see Hugh again until Picard? Next time we see Hugh is Picard. Oh, shit. So all we know is that he has... Eventually... Loses his ball parts, gets turned back into a human... Yeah, we don't know. Man, what a story. Are there Uh books and stuff that can kind of show that? Yes. Okay. However, they're not canon. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so it's more like fun fan fiction style so it's it's really weird the books are different they're they're a separate universe essentially so they are officially licensed by paramount cbs they are official star trek novels but they are not in the star trek tv movie canon so they are a separate universe so it's kind of like a what if kind of thing this is one possible route that things could have taken that's cool that's a great story it's an interesting story there's Mm -hmm. a lot missing there than canon wise that i think uh, would be when you think about like how much Star Trek writers can pull from, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Oh, like it's it's, so it's such great. a rich storytelling space. It and- must be so hard to not follow up on all of the other episodes <laughs> and just make an entire show. And I guess that's almost what Lower Decks is. Kind but of make yeah. an entire show just calling back to the loose ends. You could you can have an entire series just based on like Star Trek loose ends. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of them that gives the more serious tones, the under the underside of things. Like mm. Picard addressing his mistake was another one of um, one of my predictions, and I think it kind of, it kind of a little bit happened. Maybe not like I thought it was going to happen, but at the same time, Picard came face to face with Hugh again, mm. and Hugh came face to face with people that he blamed for his pain and then kind of reconciled a little bit. And even though they didn't really like sink inside of that, they could have done an entire episode about that stuff. Yeah. But it's this last scene in a two-parter that had so much else going on. So I think no matter what kind of a Trek person you are, there was Mm -hmm. something to enjoy in this episode and the previous episode. I think the 90s-ness of it, and we're going to have a bad guy. Laura's very mustache twirly standard bad guy with like almost the bond villain bad guys with the cheesy lines and we will rule the world and you will submit Mm -hmm. to me and whatnot and all of that gets so much focus and the hugh stuff which is the heart of the story gets disserviced a little bit so i think if that was made today we would focus way more on hugh and this uprising from below to topple everybody more than we would on the like they, they pack in so much we've got data torturing geordie 
Beverly rescuing the Enterprise, then Hugh, Riker and War finding everyone, Law and Data interacting, Data, Law and the other Borg interacting, and him, how he quashes rebellion. There is so freaking much the, that they're the, trying to there's do. There's like the rebellion, and then there's the sub rebellion with Hugh's yeah. crew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Like, there is so there's many different lot. factions. This could have been a. I think if this had happened in TNG, uh, in Deep Space Nine, or in today's Star Trek, this is an entire season-long arc that carries Feels on. Feels like it. But back in the day, they're like, nah, you got you got 90 minutes no. at best to get through this. It does, it does a lot. And when you start to want to go under the surface and ask questions like, well, how does that work? Or why does mm-hmm. that work? Or what is that din- dynamic? You yeah. really end up filling in a lot of the space with your own assumptions about the story. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like you said, that's kind of normal storytelling for the 90s. So yeah, it was for enjoyable. Sure. Yeah. Um, was there, do you want to go like through our highlight parts or what are you, you yeah, more thoughts absolutely. That you want to share? Yeah, no, no, my, um, no, definitely go through the highlights. Let's do, let's do Beverly. Um, it's, this could have, this could have easily been like Beverly or Deanna that was like kind of on the ship and doing this stuff. But for some reason, I love that it's Beverly. I love that she's taken charge and she is a commander. She has taken, in fact, that's why it isn't Deanna because Deanna hasn't technically qualified the command program thing yet that happens in uh in season se- in yeah season seven so beverly is technically the only one qualified to do it but i just love it she does like the mothering nurturing she has her like fierce science background she has her confidence and she just has a different presence on the bridge that Riker or picard has like even the way she sits in the chair, the way she carries herself around the bridge and gets her hands dirty. I I love how much of her personality goes into way into the way she commands the the Enterprise. I love it. Yeah, I really um I love Beverly in general. Mm-hmm. Uh for for many, many reasons. I think her character is really interesting. I think maybe even my care I was more interested in her after the Beverly fucks a candle episode. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um in this case. I think it's because as a medic, like as the medical officer, as like the head of the medical wing of everything, she has a level of authority that she can even tell the captain, like you need to go to your quarters. And so someone has to Mm -hmm. tell the captain when it's time to not be captain. And we, and I've seen an episode of that happening when they all got sick um, from like a virus Mm. uh, in that one episode that I think that was the one where Riker was on the planet of ladies. Yeah, Angel one. Angel yeah. one. And so that was really interesting to see. So I like that she has this authority level um, and seeing her in the captain's chair, how she was instantly just like, this is what we're doing and this is how it's going. And she just is assertive and she's clear, which is what a captain needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed seeing her in that space. I think if I would change something, I would maybe have her solve problems more from like a medical perspective. I think it'd be interesting 100%. if she- percent we're thinking more organically um, uh-huh. or like scientifically in her field to solve problems. But at the same time, she's leaning into her leadership to do mm-hmm. what needs to get done. And it clearly shows that she has an understanding of more than just the things medically going on because she truly understands that at some point when, when the ranks come down, if it comes mm-hmm. to me, I still have to know my shit. And it was really powerful. I love seeing a woman in power and seeing somebody in the captain's chair is always fun. Like whether it's Riker or Terrific. anyone, I'm always like, ooh, they're in the captain's chair. But for it to be Beverly was new. I hadn't mm. seen that yet. So I really fucking loved that. I think we watched an episode. It was in like season one or two when Geordie is in the captain's chair. 
and this yeah it's it's so great you're right it's so great whenever we see someone else trying to take control and i like that they didn't lean into her self-doubt or anything just like oh i can't do this it was just firmly i'm in charge i can do this you said something that i don't know you said something about being motherly i didn't pick up on that so what what did you feel was motherly about her approach as a captain motherly may not be the right word but the way she was with tate was understanding that this is a new recruit um, I'm going to empathize with her. She's only been here for six weeks. Like, I bet you didn't expect to be in this position. And I still want you on the bridge. I feel like Picard or Riker might have been a bit more, you're relieved, let's bring the next person in. Or we don't have time for empathy. Let's just get to it. You can either do the job or you can't. Or you can't. Hmm. Um, but I think it kind of mirrors that Beverly's in an unusual position as well. It does. Are there other episodes that you can think of where they have been more? I I know for sure Riker, like, they were such fucking assholes to Wesley. I'll never forgive them for that. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that was and that was Wesley, Mm -hmm. somebody who's been around on the Mm -hmm. crew for a long time. And here come the newbies. So, yeah, maybe they would be complete dicks. Yeah. And just be like, next, you know, and just wheeling through. So, yeah, maybe characteristically, it is more, quote unquote, motherly or tender yeah and i don't i don't even mean i mean that as a positive like it's a different style of command that i really 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 um there is more than one way to command a starship and that's something that i love about the star trek captains is that picard is different from cisco is different from janeway is different from kirk he's from pike i it's one of my favorite things like what is this new captain gonna be like i would um i would say that the only things I didn't enjoy about it are the things that I think I'm going to sin here in a little bit when we get to our, the, to the mm-hmm. to that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when she was doing things that are batshit fucking <laughs> crazy, I liked that she just did it with confidence. I mean, yeah. she was confidently leading everyone to their death, and that that is a that is a trait, you know, of a because you know what Wi-Fi can send our logs better than anyone else can. Yeah, I don't think that was Picard's concern. Um, I w- I'm going to help you out a little bit because this it is such a cop out. But you know, so Beverly uses the suddenly has this big knowledge of metaphasic shielding and how that is going to help the Enterprise and that will protect it from the sun and stuff. That requires knowledge from a different episode. So there is another Beverly centric episode where we discover that she has an interest in metaphasic shielding and she invites all of these scientists that are going to experiment on this new type of shielding. And there's a whole episode dedicated to this special shielding that will allow ships to travel right up next to the sun. So this is directly referring back to that episode. So that's why Beverly specifically has all of that knowledge. But it's still, even that in and of itself is like, you are a medical, do you know how much medicine you have to brush up on and how much studying it takes to be a doctor? You don't also have time to study physics. <laughs> like there's, You have so many different species you have to like know and research and, and just constantly studying. I doubt you would be also looking up metaphasic shielding, but... I appreciate that you know that because for me, this solution was pulled out of nowhere. And I think it would have been beneficial for them to add just a couple of more words into the sentence and be like, I I remember this happening. Maybe it was there, but I was just like, what the fuck? They Maybe it was there. something that's even more confusing because she talks to um, Barnaby and says, the, can you access Geordie's 
program on metaphasic shielding. And he's like, yeah, I remember the chief engineer was working on that. Instead of mentioning Geordie, just say last year, we had a group of scientists on board and we were working with metaphasic shielding. But again, I think there was a part of them that was just like, mm. I don't want to alienate people that haven't seen yeah. that episode. So but let, instead, let, let it work both ways. Instead, I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah. But we'll Why get to that, I this? suppose. <laughs> that, that actually helps me to kind of know Mickey yeah. Mason's sins are a little bit unfounded, but it's still, I you mean, know. I would still sin it because that episode it's referring to <laughs> is plucked out of fucking nowhere. Like, why would Beverly be invested in this shielding? Just because you're referencing that doesn't mean the thing you're referencing made sense. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a leap regardless. What is fun is that Barnaby is played by one of the, is played by the same actor that plays one of the scientists in that episode. Oh, re- wait, <laughs> wait. He's, he's an alien. So he's in, oh, in all okay, of like okay, the alien okay, prosthetics okay, okay. and stuff. And so I'm the like, actor was there, but not the character. Not the character, okay. exactly. So for the longest time, I'm like, why does metaphasic shielding and this actor seem so familiar? And like, it's, if you compare now him and his why. alien version, it looks, yeah, obviously they look similar. But yeah, I don't know if that was deliberate. Maybe like they cast him and was like, that's the end of the story. That's how we get Beverly out of it because this actor was in that episode. Yeah, <laughs> I think... Um, I think that's a lot of fun that they recycle their actors yeah, and they give awesome. him a new chance to kind of come in and do something. He got to play a dick in this episode and he did great because uh, I hated him. He's not a, yeah, I didn't is, hate is him. Is he a dick? Is he was dick? annoying. He a, yeah, I suppose he was a dick. I better make sure my calculations are correct, Ensign. But she does get a nice like snap back at the Tate end. Tate got this nice sting at the yeah, end about like, I, uh, that was a fun back and forth. Yeah. A dynamic that I wish we could explore. Bec- mm-hmm. But, We'll get to the sins. They would have all of the feisty, feisty, passionate stuff going on. Are you doing like sexy fanfic right now? (laughs) My God, we don't have time for that. We're doing a show. Calm yourself down. Eye wobbles that like Barnaby had. Yeah. Um, I. It's made me appreciate Picard even more because Mm. Law, like doing his speech at the beginning when he's like, "The reign of biological life forms is coming to an end." It informs. Obviously, I don't think they were meaning to do this back then because they don't really explore this cybernetic uprising thing much more until we get to Picard 30 years later but it's so important in Picard that everyone is terrified of that now of exactly what Law is saying in this episode is what everyone is scared of during Picard and this mistrust of artificial life and AI and androids is way way more on everyone's radar and it's it's cool to see the seeds of it starting here well what a great episode anything else that you can think of um like what other things did you like because i wrote down um you know i wrote down some stuff that like that just as the plot was going through um i think like if i I understand correctly like lore had figured out a way to use the emotion chip to be able to broadcast a frequency that disrupted yeah right that disrupted the borg uh, emotion and also specifically the data's emotion. So what I think, what or did they... he manipulate? He manipulated the Borg to follow him, which was separate from this chip so emitter, emitter. It's totally different, yeah, because Law has created a little, um, a little land party. So he's like networked together all of these Borg using right. his technology and using his knowledge and made a collect. Um, but because he's still experimenting, a couple of the Borg can drift off and separate themselves from that. But there are punishments if you do that. 
Um, and a lot of them want to be in that collective. They want that direction and they, because it's all they know, they want to be. Um, and then the feelings are, yeah, that's just to control data. So he's just feeding him the emotions he wants to. It's, it's emotional manipulation, but a very literal, literal interpretation. So instead of having to use words to get emotions out of him, he can literally just make data feel whatever he wants to feel. Not only through his own chip, but through the chip that he gave the Borg. Did he give the Borg a chip? Yeah, I remember it was on that guy's arm and he pushed the little thingy and it and then like oh, data yeah, was all fucked the, up. That's the thing that took away his emotion his ethical programming. I oh, think. Okay. I think. They don't they yeah, never fully explain know. it. But it's it's confusing is what it is. It but is. I think I, I think I followed along well enough. I think one of the themes I really love is this and the undiscovered country does this as well. The human need to make everyone else human. So it's it's like it's in humanity's way is the best way. And the Borg don't have a great um what's the word I'm looking for? Motivation. But they're being led. They're being led by a hive mind. And just because we don't like what they're doing, it doesn't mean that individuality is the right thing for them. So Picard trying to force individuality on the Borg fucked them up. And it created all kinds of problems. And I just like exploring that theme that maybe a collective is good for some people. Maybe that's how the Borg are going to function. Maybe individuality isn't the right thing for Religion. them. Religion. Ding. Ding. And Hugh just saying like, yeah, we can be individuals and work together as a team. We're still going to keep some elements of the collective. We can't all just be individuals because it's what necessarily works for humans. So I just, there's so many interesting themes that are being explored in this episode. Yeah. Don't join cults. <laughs> yeah, for real. I do want to say also um, that there was this really fucking cool shot when Lore is being yes. uh, dis or turned off. So Data stuns him. Lore falls over. And the shot is from underneath. So it's mm. like um, you can see Lore's head, all of his facial, hanging facial features hanging over yeah. the chair. And like we're underneath him looking up. And then in the background is... You know, Data, who has opened up Lore's skull and is, you know, shutting him down or whatever. And they're having this last kind of exchange of words. And it's a really cool, like, cinematography-wise, a very nice shot. Mm -hmm. But then also, you get to see Lore's eyes fade out. And it's so, so fucking freaky. Because And I don't know, did they do that recently and re-release no, it? It's, no, it's from the beginning. And the reason I remember is that I have a book called The Nitpicker's Guide to Star, um, Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm sorry. Could you just hold on for one second and think about uh -huh. your job now? Oh, yeah. No, no. For, have I got this? W were you like born for this or something? Never, never doubt. Some so, people are just destined for it. Oh, my God. Phil Farrand, The Nitpicker's Guide to Next Generation Trekkers Volume 2. And um, my dad got this in the early, early 90s. I have been reading it for as long as I can remember. It is... What's the edition on here? 1995, um, this version came out. It is battered, it is worn, it is used. And he would do a great like synopsis of each episode and then do all of the content. He would break down the nitpicks into continuity errors, plot holes, and then just like kind of, what the fuck was going on here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I could do a podcast just with this book. And at the end of each um, entry... He would do a sin removal. So he would do one thing that he loved about the episode that was excellent. And for Descent Part 2, he says he always loved how the lights in Law's eye disappeared, how the pupils disappeared. And I didn't notice until he pointed it out. 
And then I immediately watched the episode and was like, oh, holy shit, that's so cool. But yeah, I would read the episode and then watch the episode and see if I could catch the continuity errors as well. Um, so yeah, I, without realizing, I was nitpicking from like the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so much sense, honestly. So much sense. I don't know what we were talking about there. Oh yeah, Laws The on. eyes, yeah. yeah I, so I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is crazy because I'm watching. Of course, we keep talking about how amazing this actor is. Holy shit. Brent Spiner. Mm -hmm. oh, it's just it's, Brent Spiner doing two parts again. So good. It's so good. Because then he's also doing multiple shots, like looking in different angles, resetting, coming back in different costume. Like it was just, it's fantastic. Anyway, so like I'm watching and I'm watching how he's deciding to relax his face, but also be Android at the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Like, like I feel like as a human, we would just relax and like all of our you know, all of our tissue would just like fall forward because yeah. just relax because there's nothing <laughs> holding it like in place anymore. There's no muscles uh -huh. activated anymore. So like if we're leaning over like a chair, our, little, our, our, our lips would just poof together yeah. or something. <laughs> but like Brent is going, I'm not human. I'm Android. So I'm still this robot shape, but still showing that there's no neuro, there's no activity going on. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, this is really, really good. And then all of a sudden, just the eyes stay the same color, mm -hmm. but just the pupil, just the black pupil goes away and just goes so zip. Good. And it's only lasts for a split second. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it's my so God, great. that was fucking cool. It was really Whoever cool. thought of yeah. that, it's a beautiful touch because it, it usually you do the stereotypical thing of like closing the eyelids over like a corpse or something. But yeah, this is a, this is a robot. So his eyes just disappear. Oh, I, I love it. It's a great shot. Great, great. And even though it's a little sinful, I also like the idea that Data knows that at the time that he's shutting Laura down, he believes that this is the end of his emotion, potent, like his potential mm. to have any emotion is done at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, but he still chooses to shut Laura down. Yeah. So that was also really good. It's a big moment and it's shutting down the only other him that he knows. It's the only other of his species that, that he knows. Like it must be so hard to have to give up on, on Laura. And I guess the final straw is you actually took control of me this time. Yeah. And you're working with the Borg. That's about as bad as it gets. This is like, well, this is big trouble. And putting Picard and Jordy in front of him to kill, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was a cool show, show, uh, shootout in this one as well. Mm. Like, Lore sort of like buying time before he mm. shuts off Data's emotion, which distracts Data and then turns to shoot, but Data gets Pew! there first. That was kind of yeah, a cool shootout. Draw. I love that. Mm -hmm. I do want to know how Riker and Worf knew which Borg they were shooting. Because some of them were Hughes Borg and some of them were Laws Borg. So and it's not like, like they were wearing different clothes or something. Yeah. No, no, they're all pretty much Borg. That's amazing. Um, I, I think the last big thing I had was I, I think I like this episode a lot because it shows different characteristics in the Borg. So you get the, I can't remember his name, but the anxious Borg that is really lost and is disconnected from the hive. And Law has to convince him to reconnect to Croesus. And he's just like this little yeah. puppy Borg that's just like, scared and doesn't know what to do and he's just like not your stereotypical scary monster um humanizing the borg is a double-edged sword because it can take away some of their scariness the more you understand something the less scary it is but it's still it's hard to resist that wanting to dive in more and just make them more more than just the robots that kill everyone and if you're gonna do it this is a good way to 
do it where you show that lore had been experimenting with yeah. these living beings and to show i mean it was uh, it, there's some disturbing stuff to think about in this episode and certainly yeah. seeing the borg lobotomized essentially um that that's their life oh, now that's is... such a creepy shot the two that are on the floor just twitching about and yeah yeah and they're still it... alive and yeah you know so if you're going to try to humanize the borg using lore to do it is a really interesting kind of moment to bring that next mm. round of story kind of up because we've got this horrible group of like bad guys the the borg and humanizing them or making them and I say humanized, but you know, like making them mm -hmm. us be empathetic towards them is probably the better way to say that. Yeah, it is a tricky. It's tricky to do, and I think that that scene of the Borg being confused and having to let other voices back into his mind again showed individuality on that level, and then of course just them wanting to fight back against something and not be manipulated to the point that they were just parts to be experimented on. Yeah. So I thought that of, they did a good job. I think so as well. And it kind of puts law on like in the top Trump's thing of like who would win law versus the Borg. It's law because he has less morals. <laughs> like he doesn't give any shits. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. His, he's his a goal scary is slightly guy. different. He's really scary. Um yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, do you have anything else? My last actually well, my last thought was, oh my goodness, the the wires that come out of Geordie's head creeped me the fuck out as a kid. Like the little spaghetti that comes out of his forehead just gave me the wigs. Oh, it still does today. Like just the special effect, not even special effects. All it is, is they glue it on and then it's... The little wire, the little wiggly it, wire. The little wiggly wire. It looks like it's coming out of his brain. It's not... I know that. I know it's not. I know it's pretend. <laughs> I know we're acting. But it's still... I feel like it's happening because it's like... It indents the skin on his head. And I'm like, it's fucking in there. LeVar Burton was lobotomized to do this episode. And it just <laughs> wigs me out. Oh. Yeah, or the fucking fingernails. Yeah, no, that's fine. He's a robot. Um <laughs> No, that's so not... Ugh. Not Ugh. okay. Not okay. And I did notice that Riker's head is always leaning to the left. You're like, welcome. When he's talking to Hugh, he's just like, I'm sorry you're not happy to see he us. Has, like, Straighten up, my dude. Yeah, he has a real tight like lat or something. His he <laughs> it's too late. He's actually hopefully he has massage therapists <laughs> yep. and maybe some PT. Yeah, seeing just, a like, doctor some or something. Days. Like Beverly yeah. just like whenever Beverly sees him, just like kind of cracks his neck. It's like, right, what what were you here for? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Anything else before we move on? Nope, I think I'm ready to send the shit out of this episode. Let's do it. Okay, with that, it's time to head to engineering for Reese Instance's futile battle stations, everyone. Warning, warp core collapse in 10 seconds. This is the part of the show where we re-engage our sin brains and remind ourselves that no TV shows about sin, even our beloved Star Trek. Kick us off, Ambassador. Red, oh, man. red alert. Um... <laughs> So this is a not really, a, you know, we have sins and then we have like not really sins. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh -huh. in this episode, they give us like the whole uh, backstory to last episode. And then we start off and we're inside this chamber where everyone's meeting and it's Lore standing at the top of the dais and he's all powerful and everything. And his mm -hmm. first, I think he says something like, um, what do you think of my followers, Picard? But he is wearing the most ridiculous <laughs> 
tracksuit with like fake abs and shoulder pads. And I'm like, all I want to do is do a sin. Like, no, 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 no. The first question is like, what do you think of my clothing? What do you think of my outfit? What do you think of my jumpsuit? Like just something because it is so silly. So over the top. You know what it is. It's probably the lower part of what the Borg wear to beef them out. And so somehow he's found a Borg tracksuit and he's just wearing it. And visually, is important. Yeah, visually it indicates that he's like superior. Mm-hmm. Visually, it's great. Like I super, I, I, I absolutely appreciate the costuming. But it to me, it looks like you. You know how when you watch a superhero show. And they're wearing their superhero costume and they just <laughs> like the costume the is what shows their muscles yeah. because mm-hmm. it's just built into their costume. Yeah. Superman. The Superman yeah. abs. Yeah. This no, was that for lore. It works for me because he is he's evil. Like he's so over the top. He is. He is ego. He's a maniacal android. His programming has gone wrong. He has been programmed by a human. So this is just how his brain works. Like it's not practical. It's just yes, I'm above you. Look at my polystyrene abs. <laughs> that's 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 a first one. I okay. just I I almost laughed at the sight of it. <laughs> but it's so <laughs> great. I always laugh at um the so there's there's one Borg in this episode who has the same like six eight pack ab thing, but it's like wobbly and it, like it's disconnected from the rest of his uniform. And like are the Borg that vain that they need to show off their like pretend abs. It's amazing, but yeah, we would sin that. Uh, my biggest sin, and this is a genuine sin for the episode, is man does law historically have some outstandingly phenomenal stellar good luck. Like he bumps into the crystal snowflake who like brings him to deliverance. He bumps into the packleds who he then cons into stealing their ship. And now there is an uh, the only abandoned Borg ship in the galaxy that we know of. He just so happens to bump into them when they're most in need of help and sub- like subjugates them and creates a little cult of law. The people he bumps into is so freaking lucky for one man. Yep, a hundred percent. Lore's <laughs> Lore's adventure, convenient lore adventure is convenient. Like, yep. yeah, you're not Lore wrong bumps about into that. something that he needs. Cliche. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I think I would send my next one would be uh, Riker and Worf getting captured by the Borg. I just feel by the like right Borg. the right Borg. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. But I feel like they're they're not in deeply wooded area and it's daylight how do they not see that they're within six footsteps especially wolf he's a hunter yeah wolf is a hunter it was ridiculous it's to move the plot along i know that you know that but it's like oh no a borg in these sparse trees (laughs) (laughs) oh i would like these clunky individuals that go, uh, uh, uh. you can literally hear the gyros moving yeah. when they are stationary, let alone when they're <laughs> <Yeah>. walking. <laughs> Every time that they blink, it's like, <laughs> yeah. get some oil. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I this is not this could be applied to so many episodes, but I would maybe this would be a cliche, and maybe it would it would just be once again we're sinning this. But it's the fact that anything on the inter- Enterprise has to be done manually when it comes to security so when the enterprise is in orbit and the borg ship arrives beverly says like on my mark raise the shields we'll do this 
at the last possible second, because we need to beam up as many people as possible. And she's like, three, two, one, mark. And then Tate is like, okay, shields up, then a torpedo fires. The 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 reason you know that the ship is going to be fired upon is because the the Enterprise is telling you that. So if the Enterprise can tell the humans, which then allows the humans to make the decision to raise the shields, then j- as soon as like that weapon powers up, transporters off, shields up. There should not be a human that has to say shields up. I'm saying that should be automated. The ship should know I'm in danger. Stop transporting shields up. Like don't leave that down to three, two, one, mark. Like no human error. What if Tate fumbled and didn't press the right button? Like it just it. I'm just it's this ship is. I'm I can't just saying. I've been work. reading this book since I was yeah, eight years old. I'm just saying this book here. It's a good book. It tells you shit. <laughs> I can't get my computer to stop logging me out of things. Like I, I just wouldn't trust humans to work the Enterprise in a life or death situation when the computer is there to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a big one for me. I, I hear that you're very passionate about it. I would send the moment when they say they're preparing to fire and then within a tenth of a second they're hit. So what you meant to say was they have already fired <laughs> uh-huh. and it's coming at us. And Incoming. now, it, it, yeah, yeah, because uh-huh. there was a but again, we're at the end of it where they're just like moving the plot along like oh. they're just clipping through. So that's one of my biggest sins is how quickly we get wrapped up in this episode all at the same time is like. Get rid of the Borg ship. Get rid of the Borg. Hugh's here. Data's here. Law's gone. Mm-hmm. Beam them up. Get them out of here. We're fine. Like, they wrap this stuff up so quick. But they're, they're, we know they're trying to do a lot. Um, Let's dig into Beverly. Because we love seeing her on the bridge. We love to see it. We love seeing the new crew. There is still no reason for the entire crew to be down on the planet. The chief medical officer should, in theory, not also have all of the like the first line she says is we've got to find a way to break through the electromagnetic scanning field things it's like she's not qualified to know that like i get the cross training must be outstanding and she must have to do a certain amount of hours of command training and engineering training yeah my goodness she's like it's as if she's been doing this all the time and maybe one of the doctors also doubles up but the chief medical officer that's a. She has her own staff. She has so many responsibilities. She's writing papers. She used to be the head of Starfleet Medical. Like there is so much shit going on in I her mean, career. I mean, you trust her with it, though. You trust but, her. I uh, trust her because it's the story. But I, I'm kind of like I trust her. Uh, no, I no, I do completely trust her. But it is. I don't. This... I don't trust her. That was a lie. <laughs> I no, I trust her. I trust. No, her. I just no, no, think... no. She she flew under the fucking sun, Ian. Well, there's that other episode in season six with the metaphasic shielding oh, that, that explains oh, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, and linked to that is Tate is like looking after security. <laughs> the 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 more senior security officer comes in. Tate's about to leave, and Beverly's just saying, "No, Tate, I need a science officer." I'm like, "What? You're cross trained as well? So what are you? Are you tactical? Are you science? What? Like, why are you suddenly jumping?" into the science station you've only been here for six weeks is she really the most qualified (laughs) site what about the person that's been on the enterprise for four years waiting to get back to their seat and just like nah it's mine now fuck you yeah you're fun i like your attitude (laughs) i think the sin would be thinking that humans have this much space in their brains for information exactly we do not have enough ram (laughs) to know all of that at all We do not. Um, it's it's definitely the biggest sin, but it's one of those sins that I wouldn't change. I wouldn't have it any other way. 
Um, I think I would probably send, like, I was going to send something. I don't know that I would anymore because of our conversation about this whole mm-hmm. phasic thing existing before this episode. But there's this moment when she's like, well, I have a student thesis. Tate's like, I have a student thesis about <laughs> how if we fire into the sun, it'll make a flare. And if we aim it the right way, uh-huh. then that flare will take out the Borg ship. By the way, Enterprise flying in the sun looked fucking cool. Forgot oh, to mention that earlier. Beautiful. Looked so fucking yeah, cool. So love pretty. That, love I love that we're seeing something unique like this. And then we're mm-hmm. seeing the sun flare and we're seeing a Borg ship blow up. But we're just like, I have this student thesis about it. I happened to study the sun or whatever when I was in school. Of course, she did. Tactical school. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. And we're again, we're clipping along. We're at the yeah, end of this. We're, okay. we're clipping along. Don't ask, don't ask questions. Um, and they're sitting in the sun having this conversation, but they're sitting in the sun based on another theory that's only been barely been put into practice already. And now they're yep. like, well, we can't just do things without them having been done. I'm like, you're literally sitting in the sun based on another experiment. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So you're so up your own ass about this. Yeah. The, the plot chooses what moments it's like, oh, this is a really scary. The first potential thing that's kind of a theory is going to mm-hmm. work. But the second one while you're inside the first one, yeah. that's the one you should be worried about. You can only about. believe in one impossible thing before breakfast. That number two is, is it's just too far. It's unbelievable. Got to, got to raise those stakes. What, what I love about that moment is that you, they went to so much effort thinking that we needed to know that Tate learned about this at, at school, like her thesis, as if if they hadn't said that, we wouldn't believe it. I was like, no, yeah. she, could, she could have an inside knowledge of how like a Romulan cloaking device works and use that to escape. And I would have bought that just as much. The thesis didn't sell anything to me here, guys. This is all MacGuffin to get you out of the, um, to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sometimes when I cook and the pan is hot and I throw water on it, it spouts up. So we're by a hot sun. Uh, so let's throw some water, something in there and (laughs) see if something spouts up. Like I could come up with that. At the minute, I believe that all of you people are intelligent beyond belief. I don't need to know that this was your thesis. It actually mm-hmm. annoys me more because I'm like, what if it hadn't been her thesis? Does that mean she doesn't come up with the idea and they're fucked? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Or if Beverly hadn't attended that one random thing about phasic, you know, yeah. shields or whatever. <sighs> then what happens? They come up right? with something else, you know, which would have been fine. Mm-hmm. This was just, this was a fun one. I would also send that moment though when the... Beverly sets the new course and and Tate's like, sir, that heading takes us directly into the sun. Dun, dun, dun. You know? Damage you heard, Tate. (laughs) I want the sin to be like, well, yeah, we all know that. You know, because it's so ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Drama. Drama. I would want to send something like when in these shows, the character says, do this heading. And then the person that's doing their job tells us the dumb people at home why that's important you know yeah, there's exactly. just this sort of like uh-huh. dialogue that's directly to us yeah Absolutely. and i want to i probably want to send that if i could somehow mm-hmm. i think so yeah um i got two problems with the prisoner situation um go for it nope three problems with the prisoner situation go for one it. i'm amazed that that cell isn't bugged and while laforge and picard are like chipping in and trying to decide the the Kedion pulse and how they're going to do it and how this will undermine Picard, like, uh, how does will un- undermine law? There isn't even a Borg guard that is like 
listening in. There's no listening device. There's nothing. They are just, don't keep your prisoners in the same fucking room to begin with. Like, it's, stop doing that. It's such a, nope. such a cliche. Yeah. Yep. Should Go I carry on, on with my prison sins? Yeah. My, yeah. My next do, one, one, do a one, two, three punch. I can't believe that the Borg who has the galaxy's knowledge in his brain hasn't heard of the old sick prisoner joke or like maneuver where the prisoner pretends to be sick uh, the guard comes in and they get knocked out because they're not they're really like, sick like, they're really? like little babies little baby Can- bog they just fell for the drink and then in that moment picard just happens to reach out and grab the one chip that's needed to reset that's my data sin i'm like you eyeballed that shit you're like oh yeah this nondescript plate looks like a transponder fluxer of course it is are we supposed to believe that it's because he used to be Borg? I, I They don't say that. I think that's a reach. I think that anything he grabbed from... Uh, the fact that it's removable is the sin. Like, the fact that it isn't built into his brain, the fact that it is a part that can be easily removed without damaging it and then reprogrammed is all of the convenience. But it's fun. That's my one, two, three punch for the prison situation. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um... I think just on quick glance, I don't have a ton more, but but one thing I hate, I think maybe the biggest sin for me, the the more I think about it, the biggest sin for me is that this episode doesn't circle back to Beverly as captain and give Oh, like a handoff or like a well done Beverly or Yeah, she's essentially critical in saving the entire crew from death potential death Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. i think the idea in her mind was i have to go back because the borg are there so they probably would have been able to like message her and be like hey we we took care of ourselves." she really didn't do anything did she like besides getting people off of the off of the planet beverly's actions didn't do much more i guess she destroyed all the borg from coming down she rescued the ship i mean she rescued the people like there's a thousand people that she's rescued like her mission was beam up as many people as you can get the enterprise back to federation space she actually disobeyed her orders she disobeyed the order but then also her when she disobeyed it didn't directly impact the solution on the planet because Worf used Worf and uh Riker used Hughes and crew to get back in and they were already solving the problem from the inside. So she didn't actually give the crew any buff to what they were doing. She was no. just closer by when they would have pinged her to come back and get them. Yeah, it was. she was the rescue team and had to figure out how to rescue them. So she doesn't know what's going on. She's just trying to figure out a way to get everybody off of the planet. And the Borg ship is the obstacle. Um, so the Borg ship. So she destroys the Borg ship. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. But anyways... What the show missed for me was it's like wrapping up and you hear Picard's voice going, Jordy is in the capable hands of Dr. Crusher, you know, recovering. Where is that moment when it's like you flew into the sun, you destroyed an entire ship of Borg that were people, not Mm -hmm, bad mm -hmm. Borg. They were people. Yeah. Didn't actually influence the team at all, but Mm kind of like good job, Beverly. Like you did. You did a great job. Maybe. I don't know. You don't need to be complimented for the job that you're supposed to be doing. Okay, okay. That's satisfaction in and of itself. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I've just realized that this book doesn't contain season season seven. So it it's a different has, book. It, no, no, no. It has Descent. So I must have just invented that memory myself. It's like Descent Part 2 isn't in this book. 
So it, I must, there must be a part two that is back at home or some. And um, but I, re- I'm sure I remember him saying. Well, I'm sure there's a volume three. Cool. You probably read volume three. Anyway, I could get stuck in this book for another another few days. Um, anything else, Ambassador? I am pretty no, much finished. I'm pretty much done too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great two parter. Like, how does overall? What's your thoughts and feelings about Law's arc now that you've watched all of the Law episodes? I think this would be a series that you would recommend to somebody who's wanting to kind of see the more serious acting chops of this show. Mm. Um, somebody who has an understanding of uh, the Borg and why they're terrifying. So I wouldn't send someone to this if they didn't understand the Borg stuff. But I don't think you mm-hmm. need a lot of other to, to enjoy Descent. Maybe we should have watched the episode about those phase shields potentially <laughs> basic shielding but this is what i like i met we could have watched the we could have watched all of the borg episodes um the hue episode the metaphase yeah. shielding episode yeah. there is so many episodes to watch before you watch this one i i i recommend tng hands down mm-hmm. i just think it's a really fun um sci-fi show that as it progresses the crew understands what they're doing but peppering back and forth into the earlier seasons when they're not so sure about their character is a delight. Mm. So I I don't know. I think I'm kind of finding that when people ask me what sh- like episodes to recommend, I'm doing it more based on like, well, what do you like to watch? Do you like to watch oh, comedy? Always. Do you like to yes. watch? And this is more of those, like what's your favorite character? And if mine was mm. Data and I'm learning about Data's history and kind of what makes him so unique and his like, arc to becoming human because i'm still trying to guess what we're doing here by the way mm, like mm-hmm. in the season of captain's pod yeah um this is crucial this is a crucial moment for for data to have experiences um where he's struggling with understanding like who he is that beautiful moment between he and Jordy when Jordy's talking about walking along the bottom of the water and it took two weeks to kind of get him out <laughs> the stories that we can't see but that they yeah. still have because of all of their adventures together and Data is reconciling and wrestling with emotion versus ethics. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot to really think about in these episodes. If you want to watch it superficially as an episode in the background, it's got a lot of fun and adventure and mm-hmm. it cl- clips along fast enough. I don't think there's a lot of room to get bored. And every time you glance up at the scene, there's probably a different angle being shown, either mm-hmm. you know the prisoner or there's a ship or there's like, there's just like a feast for the eyes uh, on that more serious tone. So yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I love Law. He's one of my favorite bad guys. He's he's just so maniacal and unhinged whenever you see him. He's always like sarcastic and funny and then brutal. Lore? And Law, yeah, Law. And yeah, just he scary. Is, like he he's is one of the scariest bad guys I remember watching. Like he's so fucking scary. Mm-hmm. That moment when Data goes out to talk to him. And Laura realizes that there's something off about Data. Like his, he doesn't mm. realize his ethical chip's been turned back on. And he's like, I don't know, brother, you know. Mm-hmm. And Data, I'm sorry, Laura removes the emotion. Data reacts to that sudden lack. And then Laura gives it back to him and says, aren't you going to say thank you? Oh, it's so fucked what up. What a manipulative fucking dick. Uh-huh. You know, like, thank you he's for the punishment. so twisted. He's oh. one of the most twisted characters yeah. that I remember seeing encapsulated inside of my happy Star Trek universe. <laughs> I'm just, glad he's yes. not there all the time because he would destroy the world. 
Oh, for sure. He is just, he is the lack of morals. And that's a dangerous story device to use because just having somebody that is pure evil and a lack of morals isn't all that, isn't altogether that interesting because it's like, okay, this is evil. That This is easy. They're evil. The way law works is because we have a good version of law on screen that he's battling with in data the whole time. So, oh, so clever. It's so I love it. powerful. It's such a great character. Yeah. This the two of them together are are really really powerful and the idea of the twin that we get to see that repeated in Picard it's mm. just it makes me appreciate Picard even more yes um totally when we agree. started captain's pod we started with Picard because it was my reintroduction to star trek mm-hmm. so for those of new listeners or new watchers this began almost exactly a year ago going you know hey i love star trek so much and you there's this new show coming out and your favorite character is in it. Let's do a podcast and go through every episode. And suddenly it's like, now we have the time to go back and watch these yeah. episodes that make Picard sing even more. And it's really fucking cool. I'm having such a great time and I'm glad that you guys are uh, enjoying it um, too. Thank you for all of your like five-star reviews and your on, on iTunes. We just actually came back across those recently and, we get comments from people who don't even watch Star Trek. They just like listening to us talk about Star Trek. And so we just funny. have such a fun fan base of of people. And we're really, really grateful for you to download the podcast every single week and join us if you can for the live uh, tapings on Fridays. And I don't know. It's just like it feels like um, as somebody who enjoyed Star Trek so much when I was younger to not only find another thing I really actually enjoy watching, but to find another group of fans that I overlap a shared joy with is not something I've really experienced like this before. And it's just, Mm. it's addictive. It's why I come to the microphone every week. Yeah. It's super fun. Thank you, Captain. You're welcome. I'm happy to, happy to do it. Couldn't do it without the lovely crew of the Sinterprise, everyone listening at home and watching on, on YouTube and Twitch as well. We love your people so much. And uh, that leads quite nicely onto, um, as this episode lands in two days on thursday the 22nd of december will be our one year anniversary of our first episode coming up so um just as a little mini celebration and um, we'll be live on youtube and twitch at about 12 o'clock central um to play some video games and just have a chat and connect with you guys so if you can come and join us um, the 22nd of December, that would be really, really fun. Yeah. We'll just we'll hang out and super talk. Super casual. And, yeah, super chill out. Well, before we depart, uh, it's time for next week's homework. Um, we will be diving into Elementary Dear Data, which is a season two episode. One of my all-time favorites. It's so, 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 so good. Um, So yeah, we'll be recording that and reviewing it live um, on Twitch next Friday at 12pm-ish Central, and it will be in your podcast feed as normal the following Wednesday. But yes, uh, anything else, Ambassador, or can I send these, the lovely crew, on their way? Oh, you can send the crew on their way. Go ahead, take a rest. You've earned it, guys. You flew us into the sun and back. Um, Right, well, we love you all very, very much. Thank you for listening. And it is I love you, brother. From me. And it's um, I'm ready to eradicate your existing brain cells. Ah, From me. And live long and podspur. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com. 
Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Hello. 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 Oh, fucking hell, it's fucking cold. What? Not the visor, you dick! Right. If you fucking crush that shit, Data, (laughs) is he going to crush it? Ian, is he going to crush it? (laughs) Can anyone else smell burning? No, it would be weird if any of you people could smell burning in my house, but I can definitely smell burning. Could you go check on that? Yeah. We're just going to take a quick moment and Ian's going to go check on his shit because if something is burning, he needs to know about it. Yeah, I've been looking at expensive Star Trek gear. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of want clothes. Do it. No! Get the clothes! It's too expensive! It's too Do expensive! It. Do it! If we go to a convention, if we uh-huh. if we decide as a podcast to yeah. go to a convention, I would consider it. Okay, do. Question for instance is, I was very surprised I didn't have the lieutenant on the bridge eating an apple while taking orders from Beverly. <laughs> Barnaby, yeah. Uh-huh, in case we didn't realize he was an asshole, they replicated an apple for Barnaby. I forgot one of my sins, which was that like Barnaby's like, she did it, like super excited whenever Tate <laughs> got it. Yeah. And then he kind of collects himself, but he doesn't actually turn to her and say, good job. No, that's Because enough. he's a fucking asshole. No, it's because you should be happy with the job that you did. You shouldn't need extrinsic motivators or affirmations. Just Not all of us are not like, like you. Some of us like to have motivational <laughs> conversations. Link thinks I should take over as captain for a day. Nope. Do you want to host an episode? You you host an episode. You'd have it's to too pick- late. You, you said no. <laughs> That's it. That idea is dead. Link, we're so excited to see you guys at Sydney. Yay! That's going to be so much fun. Can you bring um, the puppy? Bring, bring the dog. Bring I mean, the dog. My what? My dog? No, in, Link's dog? in Link's picture, there's a dog. Oh. I hope that's a dog. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like their child. <laughs> no, I was going to say like cat or something. I, mean, I, was, I haven't mistaken a dog for a human. Did you say today. cow? Cat! <laughs> Who has a pet cow? That's my question. And it looks <laughs> nothing like a see? cow. It doesn't. It, so why would I say Jesus. that? Of all the I letters was, beginning with C. Um, During the conversations about Picard and Hugh during the show, Jagged said, I feel like this is one of those dark, dirty secrets that Picard has in his closet. He deactivated Lore, took him apart, and the Enterprise covered it up. Mm-hmm. I think that all of like season seven of Lower Decks should be dedicated to like be like Lower Decks, Picard's dirty closet, and the entire season is just them picking up the pieces of everything Picard has left behind. He just brushed his hands up and said, "Yep, some other dickhead will pick that up." Two-parter question, but I think I forgot the second part of this one. So sorry for that. Uh, best and worst two-parter outside of TNG. Oh, oh, this is best all and one worst. Question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of TNG? Uh, oh my goodness. Oh my god. Um, the best for me... The Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> Josh says, uh, I mean, do we, we all have Siri or Alexa. Uh, do we treat them as if they have sentience or choice or even gratitude? Yep, I say thank you to my Google. I do say thank you. Not but always. Also, it's different as well because they are not AI. They are uh, just their voices. They're not doing much different. When we were talking about the novel, Josh says, speaking of non-canon novels, there is a TOS book called Doctor's Orders, which plays out a scenario where Dr. McCoy ends up in charge of the Enterprise. Oh, man, they never did that in like an episode on TV. I would love that, but reading. Um. (laughs) Uh, Star Trek TV for the post show, in Enterprise, what is the warp core called? The warp reactor? I think back in the day it's called the reactor. 
the reactor what core. What do you mean like the warp core called? It's so called you know, the like warp the, core. The vroom, 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 vroom. They didn't call it that in TOS. And it was, oh. the, it was the reactor core in the original series, I think. Oh, I see the question now. I understand. Uh, Enterprise's official name is the Gravimetric Field Displacement Manifold. <laughs> That's no, fucking stupid. I had no idea of that. It's, it's also not what it does, but... <laughs> I don't think that's what it does. Anyway, science, how does it work? Here's a scene from Jagged. Episode of TNG rips off the scene from Star Trek Insurrection where Data, wa- Data. Data walks underwater Tonight. and opts to only tell us about it. I'm sorry, Data isn't capitalized in that and I just read it as Data. It's not my fault. So I nearly mentioned this. Um, in Insurrection, they all fall into a big lake of water and then Data like inflates a little bit. And then, like, his chest gets a little bit bigger, and he just says, in case of a water landing, I've been programmed to use, I've been designed to be used as a flotation device. So it kind of undermines what he says here. I'm just, I'm guessing that between here and Insurrection, he had a flotation device added to his body. (laughs) For this issue, exactly, because it took two weeks to get the water out, and they don't want to have that kind of time down again. Exactly. I think they just added it in post that. Here's an observation from Jagged during the show. Ian, the episode is about what happens when technology has sentience and goes bad, and you're saying you think that they should give the, that power to the ship and the shields? No, it's input and output. It's not, you can do that without having sentience. Like, I can I can set, like, in my thermostat, if I had one, I could set it, hey, when, it, when it's 23 degrees, turn the heating on or whatever, or then it's input. So when the ship detects a buildup of energy, then it puts the shields up. So that doesn't require thinking. That's just a set of parameters that makes one thing happen in a certain environment. Question. If Data is exposed to water, does he get put <laughs> in a bag of rice to dry so. out? Yes. Yes, I hope so. I want to see that episode where I it's imagine. like he's just you go in and he's in a tub just filled with rice, like having spa days. So we've got like the little cucumbers <laughs> over his eyes. It's amazing. Here's a good question from Jagged says that. Uh, does it ever bother you that all the Dr. Soong ancestors or relatives are always more like Lore and none of them are like Data? It bugs me because you would think they might try to give them some Data characteristics. So um, the Soong that turns up in Enterprise, he's not evil. He's mi- They're all misguided. So they're all just like geniuses that are so determined to progress science and to progress the next steps of humanity. And then that genius comes with some megalomaniacal ego stuff and data was deliberately programmed to be more of a child and to be more naive but yeah i get what you mean i think maybe it comes down to more human nature sadly which is when we get greedy even intellectually greedy it can lead to um missing the point of what we're doing and law is the opposite end of that spectrum um i don't think dr sung is evil either he just his inventions got away from him. Follow up to that, I was, I was convinced that the one, the one in Picard was uh, going to turn out to be evil because they are always uh, one good, one evil. All are. Yeah. 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 I kind of was too, but you know, spoiler on that one, we only really have one, so <laughs> they're not gonna. Nope. I really see the Data and Spock characters similarly in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the curiosity for me about the. The Vulcan is that they work to rep- repress as part of their, you know, way of life. And someone like Data just doesn't even have the ability to do it until something, until a program is created. 
There is a great episode that I don't know that we'll get to, but Spock and Data actually meet and they talk to each other. And um, because Spock is half human, Data asks the question, like, it's fascinating to me that you, my goal is to be human and you rejected that as a choice. Like, you decided to be completely Vulcan and reject your emotions, whereas I've been searching for them my whole life. And they have this great interaction. It's so, so good. Oh, man. I don't want to cry. All right, moving on. (laughs) Uh, Steve Not Reeves says, would you guys watch some TOS episodes before season two of Strange New Worlds come out? Man, if I knew ahead of time what they were going to be referencing, this is like, this is the only downside to Strange New Worlds. And it's not a downside at all. It's the fact that I don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know what knowledge to give to Danae because Balance of Terror would have been an excellent episode to watch ahead of the finale of Strange New Worlds. So we'll definitely watch Balance of Terror and see if she remembers some of like the similarities and the, the dramatic eyes on Spock when the Romulans are revealed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would... I don't know if we're going to get chance before February. Especially not all of it. Like, we couldn't go through everything. Oh, no, 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 no. But picking out some key fun episodes. um, Yeah, I I would definitely like to. But at the same time, just like from the opposite side of things, though, not having seen that and watching that and then Mm. having the conversation about it without context for the podcast was something we could never have. absolutely. I had watched it. Because when we watched Strange New Worlds finale... I could see like Ian and Aaron <laughs> were both holding their breath like oh, because so they liked good. it, but there there was something else going on. And I'm just like, so so then it became this curious conversation thinking, well, that scene didn't work for me because it was kind of like, all right, that was really on the nose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that scene worked for me because it's the first time I've seen it and I liked it. Yeah. So there's this interesting dynamic in the way that we were, are watching Strange New Worlds, so I would almost request not to watch anything from TOS because, again, mm. this is my first time to really be introduced to these characters. So yeah. even though, I, of course, I know the name Spock, I know the name the blah, 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 blah. Like I, I can, I know that lore because of being in society yeah, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and somewhat plugged into pop culture. Just existing. I, I'm developing my relationship with these characters I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like keeping it. I, I think that's, a, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really valid point because you're, you're going to have the experience of knowing this crew of the Enterprise better and more than the Captain Kirk crew of the Enterprise. And it may even be spoilery because we're skipping seven years into the future to see stuff that hasn't happened for Strange New Worlds yet. So I really actually love the idea of you just staying in Strange New Worlds as this is your first the original Enterprise crew yeah, and just being embedded in that. Like that is your that is your Enterprise crew. I was an expert food hider. Did you have like a favorite place? Well my fa- my favorite one was that I had to eat my my peas and I didn't want to finish my peas. Um and they didn't really care about mashed potatoes as much. Mm. So I watched my parents and waited until they weren't looking and I was creating the well in my potatoes for my I'm assuming gravy is what they thought that I was doing. And then as they weren't looking, I would just drop one in and like barely cover it so that the well would just slowly fill up. So nice. inside the well of potatoes was just <gasps> this like archaeological dig of just mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, so they were, they I were. expertly hid them. They were escapees. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> 